I'm Ethan Finley, and this is the Everything Soccer Podcast, talking soccer and everything else with MN UFC copywriter Steve McPherson and play-by-play announcer Callum Williams. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Everything Soccer Podcast. I'm Steve McPherson. I'm here with uh, Cal Williams. Plus, we are thrilled to welcome our first guest ever, Ethan Finley. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Ethan, this weekend, uh, I took my kids to the zoo. Uh, I can't believe you could have done anything better than that unless, you know, you scored like a game-winning goal in the first road win and first win of the year. Did Did you do that? Well, I haven't been to the zoo here, so I can't I can't I can't say if it was uh, better than the the two goal performance this weekend. But uh, it was pretty special to uh, to do it on the road uh, with all the circumstances. I think obviously leading up to the week with you know Molino going back to his former club, with Adrian and the staff returning to a club that they were at prior. Uh, the storylines were all set. So for us to come out with three points, myself to come out with two goals and, and kind of get off the. Uh, Get off uh, to a good start to the start of the season, uh, personally, and I think as a collective, I think you know for over the first two games we're, we're happy with where we're at point wise. Is it uh, is it nice to get that first road win early? Like last year, it was a long time before that first road win. Is that? <laughs> it's nice to get the first win just in general uh, on the road. I think is just a bonus. And when I looked at the March schedule coming into this season, I thought this is going to be a tough test. And I think in my head, I had a, a number of points that you know we we could probably get and we'd be happy with. And I think we're on track for that. Uh, obviously, this weekend, a big home game for us. Uh, another great opportunity. I think we can get three points against a Chicago team that has had some injuries in the preseason. They're still trying to find their way. Um, so, for me, they're primed to, uh, for the taking. And in your sense, what did this? What did? What was your sense of what this meant for Adrian? Because I, I think at, right after the right after the game, uh, when he was being interviewed, he played it very cool. He said, "This is this is three points." But I felt like I could see a little a little emotion there on him. You know, it was funny. Throughout the week, he didn't even bring it up. It it's kind of was one of these things that was unspoken. I think everyone on the field know, knows, and, and everyone in the locker room kind of knew what it would mean to him. But it was never something that he brought up. It was never something any of the staff brought up. And I think that's just being him a, a constant pro, right? He, he understands that he was a player at one time. Uh, there's no vendetta there. There's no revenge for Adrian. Um but, of course, he wants to win every game, and it does make it a little more special. It'll be no different when I go back and, and play against Columbus. Uh, I want to get the points regardless of who I'm playing against. It, it, it is a little bit nice to, to steal them from a, a former employer, but um, it doesn't necessarily change things uh, either way. It's three points, you know, and, and that's what I thought was really cool. It never came up. It, it was just something I think, you know, I had personally back in my mind. I think a lot of the other guys did. I'm sure Kev did. It's a natural instinct, but... You know, he was professional about it the whole week and, and, and never came up of like, hey, I got to have this one or we need this one. And, um, you know, he coached it the same he did the week the week prior. And, Cal, you were there too. Mm, how, yeah. how was Orlando? Uh, Orlando was, was very good. It's uh, a very nice place. Um, we were treated to some uh, wonderful places that we were taken to uh, by several different people. And, uh, yeah, wonderful Really enjoyed it. The stadium's gorgeous as well, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I took away from it. And, and I'll get your thought on it in a second, Ethan. But I, from from our vantage point, from the broadcasting booth, um, the stadium looked like a very typical English stadium. So you could tell that Adrian's influences were there, certainly. 
Uh, and I know we had a couple of people from the front office down there as well, having a look at how Orlando City do things on a game day, and, and they were left impressed as well. So I thought it was great. And Ethan, I thought the atmosphere throughout the entirety of the 90 minutes was really good as well. From the first moment, we came down the tunnel, and uh, it was electric. We, we weren't even able to see the stadium, but even able to look out, see the lights, uh, you know, see the pageantry of, of what they were starting to put on. I was excited as a as an away play. I can't imagine that being your home stadium. Um, so you know, credit to them and that organization and their and their franchise and, and the fans because they create a great environment for a soccer game, whether you're home or away. It was um, it, it was great to see the, the the passion and and they were engaged the whole game. I mean, you could tell that. Obviously, the game got up and down in the last twenty minutes a little bit, but they were in it um, and, and they were cheering their team on and and they were jeering us and that's what happens and uh, but. I thought it was great. I thought, um, you know, it, I hadn't played there. It was my first time playing there. The light, the atmosphere, when, you know, when they score a goal or at the start mm-hmm. of the game, kind of the light uh, light show they did uh, was something very different, something I think Juve does over uh, over in Italy, which is pretty special. So that those little elements, um, I didn't see as much of the, uh, the pageantry, I guess, and the other things, uh, I guess, with the club seats and things that you guys saw around the stadium. So I wasn't able to see that stuff. But... You know, there wasn't a bad seat in the house is from, uh, from mm-hmm. what I heard and what it looked like. So is it fun to uh, sort of quiet a crowd like that? I think that was your, your goal celebration was a little of the shh there. So. Yeah, of course, of course, because the game had kind of been, you know, back and forth. And uh, as a couple guys mentioned to me after the game, I was involved in all three goals. So uh, not, in, not, in, uh, <laughs> not in the way I'd like to have been. But, you know, that was, you know, something that was a little bit on my mind at halftime and you know whether it's a foul or not in the in the box, it is a foul. I, I you know I understand that whether it's in the box or not, you know I have to be smarter in that situation and not be giving up a foul because whether it's a, a pen or not, it's going to be a very dangerous free kick with a dangerous player on it in Utune or, or or Justin Merrim. So either way, it, we're going to give them a great opportunity. And so I was disappointed with that, but I had a lot of guys rallying around saying, "Hey, forget about it. it is what it is." And you know we've kind of through two weeks now, we've kind of hurt ourselves. Twice, right? Mm-hmm. And that is something that we have to continue to work on. And that's where I was most disappointed. So to be able to kind of, uh, you know, come back from that and have a great setup by Toya and Miggy to, uh, you know, put that on a platter for me, it, it feels good. Uh, obviously, you know, I couldn't have done it without those. That, that play was, uh, you know, I think, as you said, world class from, mm-hmm. from Mason Toy and then the recognition from Miguel to, to keep running. He doesn't even look. You know, he doesn't even yeah. look. He, he just knows, and that's the responsibility to be on the back post. So, it was, uh, it was one of our better goals, I think, so far. And how big do you think that was for Mason to get that? I mean, that was such a nice touch and, you know, to get your first game in MLS and, you know, be, you know, young. He's 19, right? Yeah. That's incredibly yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy young. It's, uh, I thought it was a, a, a solid debut. I think you saw some of the flashes that, that he can do and he can have on this level. He's still learning. He's still young. But, you know... You know, Macy very easily could have had a goal and an assist the other night, and um, that's encouraging. So we, we have to work off of it. We have to continue to, to push him, and, you know, he knows that I think there's probably a little bit of him now is like, hey, there's validation. I can do this. I can do this on a professional level, and I think that's important for a young player. But now also we have to continue to instill that confidence in him because you don't want him to get down. You don't want him to, you know, there's going to be another game, and he might not have the same opportunities. You don't want to become, become frustrated. He's, you know, been behind two guys in Abu and, and Chris Ramirez who, you know, have been solid for us over the last, you know, 13, 14 months, and it's tough tough to break in. So for him to do that, have a good performance, I think it's going to only make the competition amongst the forwards uh, even stronger. Uh, Cal, I wanted to circle back to the – you said the you felt like Orlando City Stadium was had a little bit of an English feel to it. Yeah. How do you how do you define that English feel? 
I, I think the main thing for me, Steve, was, and Ethan, you'll be able to uh, attest to this as well, the, it, it's almost like building blocks, the, the stadium, and there are, the corners aren't filled in, um, and the roof sort of hangs over um, in a very certain way as well. I, I was just chatting to my, my dad, actually, and telling him about it, and, and he was saying, yeah, it sounds very English, and, and it sort of looks, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, of Stoke City's stadium. Um, and obviously that's not surprising with the connection to Stoke City that Orlando City had. Um, so, yeah, and, and obviously with, with Adrian being there as well, there was that connection as well. So uh, I thought, um, as Ethan has quite rightly said as well, the atmosphere th- throughout the entirety of the game was wonderful. Um, yeah, a very um, European feel to it as well. But, but that's great because uh, the, the, the things what I was noticing as well was a lot of people there were were very good in terms of the timing of the, the chanting and the singing. And it was all done uh, very well uh, and, and at the same time. And it was very organized. You don't get that in every stadium in Major League Soccer. It's coming. It's getting there. But I thought the atmosphere in Orlando was absolutely wonderful. And, and, and the one thing which I will say as well is I know there was a couple of traveling supporters from Minnesota United there as well. Yeah. Thank you for coming because we really appreciate the traveling yeah, fans. Yeah, I'm on the broadcast. And it's, absolutely, it's awesome, yeah. Um, we always try and highlight you guys, so thank you. Um, but I can't wait for that kind of atmosphere at Allianz Fields. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's definitely seeing things, seeing like Orlando, it gets me so excited for Allianz and just like the thought of, of, of us having a stadium like that and being able to provide that kind of experience, like that intimacy and, and like the acoustics and sort of, I think what you're alluding to Calix, I think that when it's, it's made for that, the chanting's a little easier probably also because like the sound stays in the, mm-hmm. in, in the, mm-hmm. in the stadium and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I get antsy sometimes. I forget. Have you, Ethan, have you been by the, driven by the stadium? You see like, all yeah, the stuff going sometimes up? I find myself just taking a drive and I'll, I'll swing by 94 and just see what it looks like. Say I have to go to the target that's farther away, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's coming, be- coming up beautifully and, it definitely excites me. You don't want to uh, forget about this season, but it does get you excited sure. for 2019 and, and the opportunity that we're going to have to be able to play in, in you know, one of the best, if not the best, stadium in, in North America. So it's going to be an absolute privilege. I thought the two things that uh, stood out to me about Orlando Stadium was, uh, you know, actually the lack of, uh, you know, electronic boards. And, uh, you know, you didn't have this huge screen or multiple screens. You had one screen could be seen from just about any vantage point in the stadium, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really neat, and that's, to me, probably somewhat English in the fact, just maybe old-school European, mm-hmm. of, you know, what you want to be looking at is on the field. Right, it's a little more and organic. It, and that, yeah. that's, that's the big yeah. screen that you want to be looking at. So I thought that was great. And then, um, you know, the, the the ruckus group, the the area where they were able to to stand the whole game, and they're chanting, they're cheering. You know, we walk in the stadium, and it says uh, – you know, smoke area, beware, you know, warning, you know, letting you know, you know, this is going to be an area where it's going to be a little bit wild. And if you're not ready for it, uh, you might not want to be sitting there. So I thought that was really cool. And they, those people stood for 90 minutes. Yeah. And uh, that's something unique. And it's something I know our supporter section does. Probably you can't see it uh, all the time in such a big stadium that we're in, uh, you know, currently. But once we get, uh, once we get to the Allianz field and and uh, you know we'll have our own section for those guys, uh, guys and, and gals to, to be out there and and chanting and cheering and standing the whole game. And I think it, the look of it, 
will start to really come through, yeah. um, you know, through people's screens at home and then even in, inside the stadium. Yeah, that wall element, you know, we're going to have a really sharp yeah. rake on there. It's going to be it's going to be really imposing. So, I mean, I can't stand for 90 minutes. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my knees give out. Like, I, concerts are even kind of it. Well, you get that 15-minute halftime, all right? right. <laughs> I don't know if they sit down. I go inside, but who knows? They need some tables behind there, just people yeah. that, like, yeah. couches, like, <laughs> <the> supporters. <laughs> so we got the, uh, the home opener coming this week, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Ethan, did you have a, a sense last year of you weren't here for the home opener, obviously last year, but it was pretty snowy. Um, yeah. Did you have a did, were you aware of that happening, and was it kind of? Did you look at that going, "It's crazy"? I don't know if I should, should, should go play. <laughs> so that. we, I mean, I watched it live. My my uncle was there actually at the game. He sent me some pictures of the snow, and uh, I I couldn't believe how many people still showed up, even with the forecast, even with the snow actually coming down. Usually a forecast and then actual snow. You know, on the day people say, "Ah, oh, you know what." We'll watch it from home today. You know, it's right. not it's not worth the trip in. It's not worth uh, you know the parking nightmare. So I was extremely impressed, and I think that speaks to the passion that these people here uh, have in this community and in this state for for soccer and for this team. I thought it was incredible. Granted, when I saw all the snow and I thought Atlanta and their team and and you know the background of most of those guys, I thought. These guys are in for one, you know. It's not going to be a good day for these guys. Right. They're going to be freezing up, and you know, Joseph Martinez comes out in no sleeves and and uh, does his thing. So you know, the result didn't go you know go the way that uh, the team had hoped. But I thought you know what an impressive performance on national TV to showcase this city, showcase the passion of the fans. And now, fast forward to 2018. Now I think the product's there yeah. on the field, and that's what you know. I think most important those fans they show up. And uh, they're passionate, and they love the team, but they also love winning, and they want to see their team have success on the field. And I think we are in a place to do that now. Yeah, the, the result of this snow opener was obviously disappointing, but the, the images that came from that day, I mean, I just remember looking at some of the photos and the stuff, and we're like, this is going to be, these images are going to resonate. Like, you know, yeah. that score eventually, you know, we can forget about it. But, yeah. um, but man, the, just the images of it, the ball, like the fluorescent orange ball yeah. and everything like that. Like it's it was unique and iconic, actually. I, I, I do remember my main experience and memory from that day was trying to commentate on the game <laughs> with the snow coming down and the vantage point that we had, we were doing the game on the radio. Sure. I couldn't see half of the players. <laughs> I didn't know the ball to Molino, maybe. I, yeah. It was such a difficult experience, but very unique and very Minnesotan as well, and that's what I love about our now, fans. Now, I know you, you like to keep the window open if possible when, yes. when commentating so you can get the sense of the, the stadium. Did you do that when it was that cold? Yep, that? absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Kendra, <laughs> but put, put a heavier coat on, you know? Because yeah. like, otherwise, you, you know, you... You can get the sense that you're commentating from a, a tin can, yeah. Um, and I just don't like that. I think it's a much better listen when you know you have the the natural sounds available to you, as opposed to sticking a mic out there and whatnot. Right. You know, and from a commentary point of view, I just think it sounds so much better. And um, really enjoyed that. But uh, as I said, that was typically Minnesotan, very unique. And as, as Ethan was saying as well. I love the fact that there were over 35,000 people there. It's just so Minnesotan, and mm -hmm. it was a real indication of things to come. Yeah. Was it the biggest stadium of the uh, or biggest uh, turnout of the year? I think it was. Yes, yeah. It yeah. Was. Mm -hmm. We the, we had sellouts the last four games, yeah. um, but that was the biggest individual crowd. So, yeah. um, But there are going to be bigger crowds this year, yeah. we're told. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. Hopefully, you know. right? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, Ethan, what has been your experience playing? I think the, the the forecast right now is not calling for snow for the home opener, but it's actually a balmy forty-seven yeah, right now. So we're, <laughs> trust me, I know what the weather's going to be like. My fiance's look, 
looked at it for the last four days. She's she's updated me, so she she doesn't want a snow snow apocalypse coming. So. Right, right. But what has been your experience? Have you played in the snow much in your career? You know, not not as often or not as much as you think I would have. You know, growing up uh, and playing a lot of club soccer in Wisconsin. Right. You know, the biggest snow game that possibly could have had was an Elite Eight game where we played Central or excuse me South Florida. Yeah, my senior year in college at Creighton University, Omaha, Nebraska, we had a huge snowstorm, and uh, I didn't even think it was going to happen, but they had to delay the game, NCAA, and so we had the only game on the following Sunday leading into the Final Four, so everyone's already set. We know the teams are going to be in the Final Four, and uh, a lot of these guys from South Florida, you know, Dom Dwyer was actually on that team. Hmm. These guys had never seen snow, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Period. Like, a lot of the kids all, were yeah. from from the South and I just remember being like, well, we got to play this game. And we're out on the field. We're warming up. We're ready to go. And they just couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't keep up with the amount of snow that was, you know, falling on the ground. And I think there was part of that happening, obviously, uh, for the first home game for Minnesota United. I mean, you said you couldn't hardly see guys. Mm. You couldn't see if lines was a guy in the box. I mean, I think there was a pen call, right? I mean, you couldn't quite mm-hmm. see if a guy's in the box sure. and where, you know, guys are. So it makes it tough on the players. It makes it tough uh, for a referee, not only uh, the spectators and, and the commentators to, to be calling the game. So the, all, the elements altogether make it a very difficult situation. It's not as the prettiest soccer. But... There is something very cool about playing within the elements, and whatever they give you, both teams have to deal with it, whether it's rain or crazy, you know, hot, humid days. So I, I don't mind it. Uh, I don't love it. It wouldn't be my first choice. I'd actually say I'd rather have it cold than I would have it, you know, uh, a hot Houston yeah. day of 98 degrees or something yeah. along, along those lines. It's a little bit more my element being in the cold, and yeah. uh, I'm always running around, hopefully, so I'm always staying warm, not getting yeah. too cold. But, Yeah. Yeah, Sam Nicholson was complaining about that when he came over because, you know, from Scotland, it's, you know, he's playing sort of a winter league there. So, and he, like, I think the first game was, the, was it a Houston game here that was blazingly hot? I think it was like. Yeah, I remember Sam making his debut against the Red Bulls. I mean, it was and, again, yeah. and it was, it was hot and humid that, that day. And, and yeah, I, this is, um, yeah. again, a, another unique uh, scenario that this league faces is playing in, in weather like this. Um, yeah. And again, people don't realise it until they come over here. And, and Sam Nicholson would never have played in heat like that, believe me, right. in Scotland. Um, but, you know, that's typical Sammy Nick. He likes to whine, doesn't he? So, well, you know. it's week in, week out, right? <laughs> like, you know, like I'm saying, one week you can be playing in Orlando and it'd be beautiful. And mm. the next week, you know, we could be playing in 30-degree weather. Yeah. And you don't have that nearly as much in, in, in other countries. So yeah. there is a, uh, a huge differential. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you want, like you're saying, to play with the elements. Like, you know, obviously there's things you like or don't like, but playing it, I can't, there, there are no, there are no enclosed stadiums. Are there? Does anybody play in a club? I mean, you could not completely enclosed. Vancouver, uh, BC okay. place is pretty enclosed. They can, open, can, a, they can closed, open a room. Right? Yes. So yeah. same kind of thing. They okay. have a retractable roof. Right. Right. Yeah. It seems like if you had to plan like artificial turf in a completely closed stadium, it just wouldn't feel like soccer really. So no, it, it, it doesn't quite, it's not uh, as natural. I mean, just being on grass in general, wherever you are is, is obviously the most natural. And, uh, what I think most guys uh, enjoy. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Minnesota. You know, you were born in Minnesota, Ethan Cal. You have come to Minnesota to make it your home. Um, and Cal, you were saying about the quintessentially Minnesotan element of, you know, playing uh, in the snow and everything. What What's you've been here for a year plus now in, in this in this time? Like, what's uh, what, what's been your overall experience with Minnesota? It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful in the summer, though. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I'm I'm joking. It's it's wonderful. It's a really great place. And you and you're right. The summers here are the the best summers I've ever had. Um, 
Not great. I didn't have many summers growing up, but um, <laughs> summers in Kansas City were brutal. Right. They, they were really, really tough. Um, but here, it's it's exceptional. It really is. And um, you, you just know what you're signing up for when you come here. Everyone says it's cold, and, and you're never really prepared for how cold it does get. Mm-hmm. I remember walking downtown a couple of uh, a couple of months ago with my fiance, and um, <laughs> all of a sudden, my beard started feeling a bit strange, <laughs> and it was freezing. And there was another scenario a few days later where I thought, oh, I must have a rather large booger or something. And no, my nose hairs were freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in that situation before. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it's great. I, I live downtown Minneapolis and, and I've been around to a few other areas as well. And I think the Twin Cities is a fantastic place to live and really like it here. Really cool place. Yeah, I've been here for 14 years now. I came from the East Coast. I grew up in Massachusetts. And so it was, you know, it was cold and we had snow and everything like that. But I still feel like every year... That first real cold day, mm. I think I, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get used to it, and then you know, and then I move on. You become numb to it. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, the fro- the freezing beard and everything like that. Like when you're out shoveling, you come back in, and you just got like the sort of like snow shelf crust mm. across the top of your lip is not real pleasant. And then I've now given up on shoveling at this point. Like I'm like it's March. <laughs> if it snows, like it'll it'll disappear. Like, yeah. Uh, of course, some people in my neighborhood have also given up. Which then I'm mad at them. I'm walking yeah. my dog and I'm slipping on the ice. But uh, uh, but like, yeah, Ethan. So you were you were born here you, you know you, you spent some time here but a lot of time in wisconsin obviously um what's been your experience coming back like and you know anything you've discovered or found that you've really loved in, in your return i think just getting used to used to that that real bitter cold i mean there there is something to it you can go to a lot of places i was in columbus and even in wisconsin you, you i got used to that really really cold day i mean we had cold days in, in marshall wisconsin i remember one time it was like negative 25 and we got out for school for a cold day mm-hmm. and i was like wait that's a real thing here you know and i just moved back from north carolina only a couple of years before that so i got used to it and then i kind of got away from it and uh, you know columbus you have snow you have some cold days but you know if it if it's ever going below 10 degrees, you know, it's it's crazy. People are like, oh, my right. gosh, we're going to freeze. Nobody go outside. And here, that, that's January and February. Get yeah. used to it, that kind of thing. So getting used to that. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't really bug me. I think, like I said, you become numb to it. I don't, I don't mind uh, the cold. I enjoy that we have seasons, mm-hmm. real seasons. Yeah, for You sure. get a real fall here, which is, is yeah. my, my favorite uh, season. Love being able to put a long sleeve on and, uh, you know, a pair of jeans and just kind of oh, yeah. let the, the the cool breeze still be on you and it's 60 degrees out. So I, I love the fact that we have that. And I think we do have probably some of the best summers uh, anywhere around because yeah. they're not crazy hot. They're mild compared to a lot of places. You know, I think Kansas City is a great one. I mean, I've played in Kansas City, you know, midsummer in a July game. And it's unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It is yeah. unbearable. Yeah. So you know, I think we have that perfect mix. And uh, obviously we're the... You know, the state of a, a 10,000 lakes plus, right? So uh, there's plenty of great places to enjoy your summertime here. Yeah, the um, it should be a recruiting strength for the team, I feel like. I remember when I, yeah. was, when I was covering basketball, you know, the, the Wolves are – there was always this thing about, oh, it's a hard sell because it's so – cold in the winters but like the links these guys play the inside there's no right. complaint well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they barely ever go outside right but the links i felt like had the recruiting advantage because they play during the best season you know i mean sort of the nicest season but i'm with you on fall i went up to the north shore with my wife for our 10th anniversary in the fall and it's it, man it's gorgeous up there and yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff to get out and do. Uh, you know, like, do you, do you get out to, do you do hiking, stuff like that, uh, get outside? And- yeah, I mean, I try to. Obviously, I, I have a dog, so, you know, I, I find myself being outside more than I probably was before having a dog and just going on walks and uh, letting her take me where she kind of wants to go at times. So I enjoy the outdoors, absolutely. Uh, I live right near the uh, downtown uh, in the northeast area, so I find myself walking down towards Nicollet Island. There's a bunch of parks down that mm-hmm. area. 
you know, going across the bridge there. So it's a, you know, beautiful area. I think what I've been most surprised with is how many great little parks there are, how many little spots there are. Obviously, I didn't really get to enjoy the lakes too much uh, last year when I uh, when I first got in, but I'm looking forward to that this year to uh, to go out and enjoy some time out on some lakes and uh, you know be with some uh, some teammates and some friends. Yeah, Nicollet Island is really it's a hidden little gem. Like I think I remember yeah. the first time I went there, you just I just sort of we parked someplace, my wife and I parked someplace, and you sort of walked back and you found this little like neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> there's like these little colorful houses. It was like the the village from Big Fish or something like that. I remember <laughs> that movie. But you're like, where where am I? You know, then you walk through, you get to like Boom Island and and yeah, it's there's a lot of great little spots yeah. like that. So there's one thing that I would probably like to do is probably get a bike and start biking around yeah. this area because I feel like you can bike so many different places. You know, it's very you know exactly friendly. where you're going. Yeah. And uh, some people told me a little bit about it when I first got here, renting just the little bites that the city has. But mm-hmm. it's something I, I really I need to get a bike and just try to, you know, you can go five miles and, you know, go. That seems like a long ways, but it right. take it 20, 30 minutes because, of how, you know, easy the paths are. So yeah. I'd like to do that and, and try to take advantage of some of the bike paths around this area. I keep threatening to bike to work, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> ah, see, that, that's where the elements probably step in. But I'm always surprised to see how many. I mean, I saw a guy last night. I was coming back from dinner, walking from dinner, and this guy's biking. He had a full mask on. Yeah. I mean, he, he was all outfitted for it. So I'm surprised how many people still bike during this time of the year. Yeah. So it's, it's impressive. Yeah. And I, th- I think I'm going to have to wait till it gets a little nicer and try it again. It's more the coming home, like getting there early. But the problem is like if I'm leaving work at six, I'm like, you know, I have two kids and it's like, then if I'm, it adds to my commute a considerable amount. So if I'm getting home, my wife's already put the kids to bed, like great for me, but yeah. not so great for her. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about fantasy sports. This was something that Cal brought up. Cal invited me to an MLS fantasy league. Um, I did not do so well the first week. I did really well this week. I put this guy, Ethan Finley, who's really great. I got a lot of points for me into, into the squad. So uh, it worked out really well. Um, <laughs> so you got lucky. With, I, well, at least, <laughs> it was great. It was amazing. Well, I mean, apparently, so the, this, this one that we're playing, you can just swap guys in and out every week. It's okay. not like you set your lineup at the beginning. I'm kind of new to this, to playing MLS Fantasy, so this is why I'm going over So this. every week you can change your players? You can change a certain amount of players. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you can't, because I, I understand in other fantasy sports you can draft players in and out and whatnot, can't you? Yeah. Oh, I'm completely wrong there. I've, I've never done NFL I mean, I've played, like, I've, I used to play, like, fantasy football. I played right. fantasy basketball. And that was, like, you'd have to draft. And then you kind of had to stick with those guys. And there was a waiver oh, really? Okay. This one is, like, values go up and down. So if somebody's value goes up, then when you move them out, you get extra salary. So you can, like. So we got a salary cap week one. Yes. And then you can move players. If a guy's going up, you could sell high. Yes. If a guy's going down, you could. You sell them low or you buy low. Yeah, basically. Okay. All right, so, I got the gist of it. I'm, I'm getting used to it. I did put a couple so guys So you bought in. low on me after week one <laughs> is what I'm hearing, and he's selling me here. No, I no, won't no. be on his team in week three. I don't, <laughs> think I don't think there's that much movement, you know, week to week. I'm still figuring it out. I don't really know. But Cal's the one who got me roped into this. So, I mean, have you played a lot of fantasy? Yeah, soccer? yeah. I, I tend to. I'm, I'm terrible with it because the one thing I, the one thing I do is I'm, I'm really, you know, the build, build up to the season is happening, and I'm really like – Great, you know, let's go. Let's get everyone to do a fantasy league. Let's go, go, go. And it gets to week two, and I haven't changed it. I haven't checked it. I haven't done anything. And the same happened this week. Mm-hmm. I've known for days before this game, Abu was injured. But right. I started him in my team. <laughs> it just, it, it's one of them where I'm just so bad at this kind of thing. But the one thing, and the main reason we, we did it, Steve, is obviously for people like yourself who, 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 are, who are new to Major League Soccer and whatnot to 
um, get used to how things work uh, and people in, in the, the sales department and whatnot who are new as well and mm-hmm. just getting to know the league and getting to know the players. And, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think it, it's another way to help grow the league as well uh, and I'm all for it um, if it means that someone in the office who wouldn't necessarily have watched DC Atlanta on the Sunday, if it means they're going to do that, great, do yeah. it. Because that that's um, that's a little situation that Major League Soccer has to to be better with. Yeah. Um, and and if we can help out by doing little things like this, then the number for it. Yeah. Ethan, have you done any uh, fantasy sports? Uh, you know, I do fantasy football. We always usually uh, the team will get together and get a, a pool of guys, ten to twelve guys, and we'll do fantasy football. It's kind of been a tradition that I think most teams have. So when I got here, we did that. But I've never done the fantasy soccer. Uh, I was actually involved, maybe, and in, probably was last time was college that i did uh, mm-hmm. some epl fantasy sure which was interesting and uh but again that that gets a little bit tough because now you're tuning in you know at the time we, there wasn't nearly the amount of coverage you know, sure. now i can pull it's up hard and to watch catch, four yeah. games at a time on nbc sports to you know uh you know watch all the premier league games and at the time it wasn't quite there mm-hmm. so now i think that that that's probably something that's growing and i think as cal saying that's growing here in, in in the united states and for our sport and it's important because Heck, when I first started doing fantasy football for the NFL, I couldn't have told you more than 10 to 20 players. Right. And now I can go, you know, 10 to 20 players on each team. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm engulfed in it a little bit. Right. And yeah. now I've become, I've always been a, you know, uh, a sports fan and, and a fan of the NFL. But now I, when I know an individual player, when I see a guy make a catch and I recognize his number, mm-hmm. that's completely different. And I think that'll be unique when we start to see, you know, when an, an uh, opposing team comes in here and some guy's got uh, Yamil Assad on his team, and DC's coming in here, and he recognizes his number, and, oh, I got that guy on my fantasy team. He doesn't have to even see the name on the back of his jersey yeah. anymore. And I think that's that's what you're trying to get, yeah. where uh, you know you can really kind of grab a fan. Because, in a way, I became a fan of the NFL through a fantasy sport, and yeah. now I enjoy watching you know, week in, week out. And uh, after a couple losses, I do forget about my, my lineup and, and forget to say <laughs> it, but I'm still engaged in kind of what's going on, depending on who I'm playing week in, week out. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it's a good way to get into the sport. I sort of got into the NFL that same way. Like the year that I started doing it, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I really lucked out because I, the only team I really knew was the Vikings. I was yep. still living on the East Coast, but it was uh, Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss's, R- Dante Culpepper's rookie year, and I picked him and Moss, yeah. and then they just blew up, and I, I rode it all the way to a championship. <laughs> there you go. For, in my first season. So and then I tried to pull the same thing a couple of years later with the Eagles when they had McNabb and Owens. And then I was doing great. And then they arrested them uh, because they clinched the NFC. Yeah. And so I, during my playoff week, and so I just got like. You got demolished. <laughs> I got demolished. Yeah, that was terrible. I so. got Todd Gurley this year. So he had okay. two monster weeks in the, in the playoffs. And uh, uh, good friend Sam Cronin, he. Uh, yeah. He rode the Todd Gurley train. I think Todd Gurley had <laughs> over 100 some points in the, the last two weeks in yeah. fantasy football. So. Yeah. Put him on. He put his team on his back. I think Todd Gurley won about sixty percent of fantasy leagues uh, across the world. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I feel like if you played MLS fantasy, it'd be a little bit awkward. Like, would you have to, would you bet on yourself every week, or you know, like, would you put yourself on? <laughs> well, I don't think I can bet on myself. I got to put that out there. Right. No, I was right, going right. to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, meant, I, meant, I, meant, I meant like emotional invest, not actual yeah. money investment. You want to know? <laughs> we don't get. I, you know, I've heard NFL players or NBA players say, "Hey, you know, get out of my you know my mentions or my DMs about your fantasy team." I could care less about you know what you guys are doing you know i've never heard anything like that um i guess i did hear some positive today oh, about yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I, we don't really think about it. i think it's cool if a family member or a friend is you know supporting you and and you know puts you on their team and but uh i, I also as a competitor if uh, if i'm not you know 
you know, playing up to the snuff. You know, if you got to move on from me, I, I absolutely get it. I, you know, it's a, it's a business. If you guys have some yeah. scratch on it yourself, uh, no hard feelings here. Yeah, I have a six-year-old daughter, and we were playing Uno last night. Great game, by the way. Oh, Uno's amazing. <laughs> and she was she lost, like, a bunch of games in a row. Um, and she was feeling a little down. But then she, when, when she was playing, she would give me, like, a draw, too. And she was like, she put it down. She's like, sorry. I was like, don't apologize. No. This is a competition. Yeah. Like, I need you to go hard. Yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> you know, bring it. You yeah. Know, so, and then I think she hung in there and won, like, the last game of the night, like, the sixth game she won. Yeah. I may have, I may have tanked a little bit. Like, I may have. You not, may have tanked, yeah. I may have not played a couple of wild draw fours. See, I, I forced really my dad that. to continue to play until I beat him. Right. And I don't know if he, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it would go an hour or two and whatever we were doing. But I had to win a game before, you know. And if I had to change the rules a tad bit that, <laughs> that you know, benefited me more than him, then it happens. So yeah, be it. yeah that's, that's the way it is. Um, all right, well, Ethan, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, this has been terrific. Uh, thanks for joining us for the fourth Everything Soccer Podcast. Is it four? It's four now, right? This is the fourth one? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> time flies. I feel yeah, like it was only, you know, eight weeks ago that we were doing the first one. Um, which I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll talk about the home opener, uh, the trip to New York to face the Red Bulls. Uh, the home opener, again, is this Saturday, March 17th, against the Chicago Fire at 1 p.m. So go out and get those tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. It should be nice, as we've established. I think it's like 40s. Yeah, 47. 47? Okay, today. that's beautiful. We'll bring a little coat. Maybe. Well, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah. A scarf. Just if a scarf. the sun is scarf. out and it's an afternoon game, it'll be beautiful. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be perfect. Bring, bring your scarves for scarves. Up. Right, for scarves. Sure. Up. Absolutely. Uh, so be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes. Uh, if you could, you can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. Ethan, where, can they follow you on Yeah, Twitter? Ethan Finley 13. Yes. It's, he's a good follow. He's a good follow. Yeah. Decent follow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>